America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. An absolutely great day. The top of the entire year. If you happen to be one of those people who just can't get enough of State of the Union speeches. Are you one of those people? If, if you are, you can give us a call. 1-800-955-1776. I, uh, I, I, I do look back somewhat fondly on some of the past State of the Union addresses. Of course, this is not an old tradition in America. It used to be that between the presidencies of Thomas Jefferson and Woodrow Wilson, so from 1801 until, 2000, until 1913, which is a long period of time, the president didn't go to the joint sessions of Congress to uh, speak actually on Capitol Hill. He stayed separate. You know why? Because Thomas Jefferson, when he became president, never liked speaking in public. He was a brilliant writer and a I mean, superb writer, author of the Declaration of Independence, of course. But uh, he had a a soft voice he couldn't project effectively, which is an age of no microphones, was a tough thing. So he decided, okay, we're going to start the tradition of uh, sending up a written State of the Union address. That's why the greatest State of the Union address is one that was never, never heard. Why was it not heard? It was written by Abraham Lincoln. And uh, many, many of the familiar Lincoln quotes that you may know were actually in this annual message to Congress. They didn't call it the State of the Union yet. But uh, it was read by a clerk, not by President Lincoln. He had a wonderful voice and could project with those huge crowds that attended the Lincoln-Douglas debates. In any event, to finish this little bit of history, and it's important that you know it because it's a historic day, whenever the president gets up to give his annual message— Woodrow Wilson was the opposite of Thomas Jefferson. He thought he was a great speaker. He was very vain. He was very proud about his speaking ability and his ability to stir a crowd. And he painstakingly wrote out his State of the Union speech and then said, what the heck, I'm, I'm going to go deliver it. So he broke the tradition of the president just sending a written address, went up and delivered it, and yes, it was applauded. And people who supported Wilson thought he was a, a brilliant, uh, a, just a brilliant speaker. And, and actually, when you read his Declaration of War speech that got us into World War I, you can see why people admired his rhetoric. At one point, he said, uh, it is a fearful thing to lead this great and peaceful country into war, but the right is more precious than the peace. Uh, and it was, it's a fairly effective. In any event, uh, Wilson started it. Every other president has done the State of the Union. President Reagan changed the State of the Union forever by listing various guests who he would honor for some contribution they had made to America, or really more to the point. It, it wasn't just to honor them for their service to the country. It was to highlight various talking points that Reagan wanted to make about people who were taking matters into their own hands, who were actually doing things to change the country and to help the country and to help their neighbors, not waiting for government at any level. And, of course, President Trump also used guests very, uh, very effectively. 
with uh, some of his State of the Union speeches. One of the most moving was at the end of Rush Limbaugh's life. He had Rush Limbaugh in the gallery watching the speech together with Melania. And, uh, and then he announced, and apparently Rush hadn't known this. That's, I believe, true that he was there and was also going to be receiving the Medal of Freedom, which President Trump uh, actually made for uh, presented to him later and separately. So what do we know for sure about Biden's speech? I mean, there are a lot of inferences. There are a lot of things that people are expecting. Uh, one of the things that's fascinating is I, I'm looking over the list of guests and they have released this now, and uh, the guests uh, were invited, the White House says, because they personify issues or themes that Biden will address in the speech, or they embody administration policies that are working for the American people. Uh, President uh, Biden is expected to refer to the invitees by name. Now, if he does refer to all of these people who are on this list, it's going to be a long speech. I mean, uh, not the tight <laughs> and, and to the point one hour that it's supposed to be. In any event, it, it also looks like the president might not be talking about the Chinese balloon uh, because it, it polling indicates so far at least that uh, – People don't view this as a great triumph for the administration. There are all kinds of questions about why uh, he waited so long to act or even to, dis uh, to describe um, what, uh, what was happening or to bring people up to date. No, he didn't do that. So here are some of the guests that President uh, Biden is going to be honoring, apparently. Uh, Maurice and Candace Barron of New York. They're parents of a three-year-old who has survived a rare pediatric cancer meant to highlight Biden's Cancer Moonshot Initiative. Jeremy, have you been hearing a lot about the Cancer Moonshot Initiative? Uh, not been top of mind for most Americans. Lynette Boner, sorry, of Tuba City, Arizona. I'm sorry, she really is. She is a nurse and a medical executive involved in bringing the first cancer center to a Native American reservation. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Bono, the Irish lead singer of U2, for his advocacy and philanthropic support for global health and AIDS relief initiatives. They also might honor Bono because he's been a big defender of America and what America means to the rest of the world. And uh, he's also a... a Pretty classy rock star, especially when you compare him to the Grammy Awards the other night. We'll get to that. Uh, Deanna Branch of Milwaukee, whose son was diagnosed with lead suffering uh, poisoning from unsafe drinking water in their home. Uh, Christian Christensen and uh, Avery Colmar of Seattle. They're going to be there. A mother and daughter pair who are sharing their story about caring for their injured Navy veteran husband and father. Ruth Cohen of Rockville, Maryland, uh, uh, right outside of uh, Washington. She is a Holocaust survivor and volunteer at the U.S. Holocaust uh, Memorial Museum. And she is warned against rising anti-Semitism. Okay, that will get a mention. 
Uh, Mitzi Colin Lopez of Westchester, Pennsylvania, is an advocate for people brought to the U.S. illegally as children who have received protections under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. That was an Obama program that uh, Trump uh, basically terminated that Biden has been trying to bring back. Everything stalled uh, there. Uh, Maurice Dykes of Knoxville, Tennessee, who is training to be a teacher after a 25-year graphic design career as part of a program funded by the 2020 COVID-19 relief law. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of self-congratulation about that. Uh, Doug Griffin of Newton, New Hampshire, who lost his daughter, Courtney, in 2014 to a fentanyl overdose as the Biden administration works to strengthen federal efforts to combat the opioid epidemic. How's that going? It's not going well. I mean, it's going horribly. Here in Seattle, we actually had uh, part of our light rail, which, of course, is the jewel of the entire Emerald City. Uh, Light rail stopped uh, two days ago. Why? Because there are people smoking fentanyl, smoking fentanyl with aluminum foil. I don't know how you do that. But they were smoking fentanyl on the train, and people, including the driver, were worried that they would inhale some of the fentanyl stuff, which is not good for you. We will get to that more and a list of the suffering Americans who will be honored tonight. Uh, More to come in this greatest nation on God's green earth. We'll be right back on The Med Venture. Michael Medved show. Uh, yeah, there is a big guest list. I, w- I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this. Uh, if somebody does, you can give us a call. But it's probably a fairly well-kept secret. There are 25 uh, different clusters of guests, and virtually all of them have families who come along. And uh, some of them are, by design, struggling Poor people and people with with illnesses and people uh, like who are trying to set up a first clinic in a, a Indian reservation. And they're they're not going to pay for the trip to Washington for, by themselves. So who pays? And it's probably some kind of White House administrative budget. And because Trump did this, and because um, Clinton did this, and Bush did this, both Bushes. It's, it's really become a fixture of the State of the Union. So maybe uh, it's a little bit problematic to talk at this time when everybody else has done this. Uh, hey, President Biden, wouldn't you be sending a powerful message if you somehow got the Democratic National Committee to pay from some of the millions and millions and millions that they've raised. And they've raised a tremendous amount of money. They have a tremendous amount of money. We spend billions on these campaigns, most of which are negative ads. What about using that money rather than the public's money, the taxpayer money, especially when we're coming into a uh, a looming crisis with the debt ceiling? And there's no agreement here. 
And basically, we're being told basically the Democratic line is that leave aside Social Security and Medicare. The Democratic line has been there's just no place to cut. And wouldn't this be an illustration of something that probably comes to a total of millions of dollars to transport all of these 25 guests? And, And here's the other thing. The White House has clarified that not all of them will be mentioned. In other words, some of them are just there as visual aids. And uh, yes, I, I think it can be very effective. It was very effective the last State of the Union that President Trump gave because, um, because of the, the Limbaugh thing. But uh, Trump uh, did it well. And it was more interesting to hear about some Americans out there in the gallery who seemed to be nice people, had inspiring stories, and uh, which we didn't know about. Whereas most of the stories about this president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., and uh, President Trump, of course, most stories about the president people know about well in advance. Uh, just to finish very quickly on some of the people who will be there, transported, I strongly suspected, pat taxpayer expense. I, who else would pay for it? I mean, maybe one of the, the big donors, except, oh, guess what? Uh, the uh, big donors apparently are, um, are not enamored with either Trump or Biden. Right now, there's a club for growth, which raises and spends a lot of money on behalf of Republican candidates. And uh, the president of Trump for Growth just said he thinks that the Republican chances for taking back the White House will be greatly improved if the Republican nominee is someone other than Donald J. Trump. Anyway, um, the... uh, Kate Foley of Rolling Hills, Illinois, is a 10th grade student looking to use the skills from her school engineering classes to pursue a career as a biomedical engineer. And what are they going to talk about making college more affordable for her? Has that happened? Quite the opposite, by the way. The... um, Darlene Gaffney of North Charleston, South Carolina, is a breast cancer survivor who has promoted the importance of early detection. Very worthy, very appropriate. Doug Griffin of Newton, New Hampshire, who lost his daughter Courtney to a fentanyl overdose as the Biden administration works to strengthen the federal efforts. Uh, Jackie Lizak of Fort Myers, Florida, who met with the president and the first lady in the wake of Hurricane Ian, and whose business stands to benefit from federal climate resiliency funding. And then, more importantly, Oksana Makarova, who is the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S., was a guest last year when Biden spoke uh, days after the Russian invasion of her country. She will return to the First Lady's box as Biden seeks to sustain a U.S. and allied support for Ukraine. I think that will be one of the most important aspects of his speech because it will impact not just uh, the planning uh, in Ukraine, uh, but it will impact our European allies and will impact Russia. Uh, they, If they believe that the uh, 
current administration is going to go go wobbly, which was a phrase that Margaret Thatcher used. She was worried about working with President Bush on that. But uh, no, we can't go wobbly, and uh, it's good that Oksana uh, Markarova is going to be there. The Henry Miller of Upper Arlington, Ohio, was a mechanical engineering student and a former football player for Ohio State University, pretty good team, who left football to prioritize his own mental health. I have no idea. Well, we'll we'll hear that story. See, I think that the basic thing here is, is President Biden is looking at polls like everybody else. And I, I do think it's refreshing that President Biden doesn't pretend that he ignores polls, that the polls are irrelevant, that he doesn't pay attention. Of course he pays attention. And there's a stunning poll, and it's from a liberal source. It's ABC News, Washington Post poll. 58% of Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents want to nominate someone other than Joe Biden. Just 31% of Democrats said they would support Biden, who would be 86 years old at the end of his potential second term. Now, that's a crushing number. And when you see that three times as many people think that Biden has divided the country as opposed to the people who think that Biden has helped to unite the country, he's, he's speaking at a time where the economy may have given all kinds of good news, but he uh, seems not to be connecting with the American people. And this will be before the conventions and his convention acceptance speech. This is, this is the president's biggest shot to actually try to change the perception about what's going on in America. People think the Americans uh, were headed in the wrong direction. And why do they do that? Why do they feel that even in the, the midst of encouraging news and all kinds of encouraging news about our economy? Oh, yeah. And what about Sarah Huckabee Sanders getting the State of the Union spotlight tonight? Uh, Trump gets the affirmation, says Politico. We'll get to that and more coming up on the MedMed Show. Your daily dose of debate. Calm down for a minute. Do you understand how irrational you're sounding? Because I'm not it, irrational. Uh, you, you're not. Uh-huh. No. This is the Michael Medved Show. One of the uh, comments that has been made by the folks, not identified by name, but uh, we know who the group is, the group working with President Biden on this big speech tonight, which is supposed to be an hour. They're going over it with him uh, very carefully, word by word by word, so he delivers it well. And uh, actually, part of what was written into the speech, apparently, was to deal with the fact that President Biden, and it's not a secret, he's been pretty open about it, has had a lifelong problem with stuttering. He had a speech, what people used to call a speech defect, and uh, overcame it not really entirely, but until about middle school. So everyone knows, and Team Biden, that this is one of those 
moments where he has to look vigorous. He has to look uh, optimistic. Uh, he has to look very focused. And uh, I, I think we're going to see a, a great deal of stagecraft uh, put in motion to make it uh, look like uh, this president is a bundle of energy and a bundle of focus. But there's something else. Biden recently has given speeches like that speech he gave at Independence Hall, you may remember, where he was attacking the MAGA Republicans and it was illuminated in the background. It looked like uh, actually one of the scenes from the Grammy Awards where um, they had uh, uh, Previs and Sims, I guess it was, the who, who were pretending that they were caged in hell and being tormented by demons. In any event, he's given a lot of speeches that are very hostile uh, to President Trump and to the MAGA nation. He can't do that here. He really can't. And it's not just that some of the MAGA nation people, the people like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobbert might, might boo if he uses the occasion to attack the other side. It's also that it would be against what he got elected for president to do, which was to restore America's soul, to bring us together. All of that talk about getting back to normal, about not being a combative, polarizing, partisan administration. That's been one of the biggest disappointments that even people who are sympathetic to Joe Biden will admit it's been a disappointing aspect of this administration's performance. So you may remember that President George Herbert Walker Bush, in a great speech that was written by the great Peggy Noonan in uh, 1992, when he was um, uh, actually running for, actually it was in 1988, it was the election before that, when he was running to take over from President Reagan, he couldn't criticize Reagan because Reagan was his mentor and his hero and his boss. Why would he? But Reagan was also a very popular president. So what he did is, without criticizing Reagan, he said, we want to try to build a kinder, gentler uh, American nation with not quite so much hostility in our politics. Well, I, nice try. Uh, but it sounded good. And I think we're very likely to hear something like that. And I, I think it's though there don't appear to be any Republicans or even suspected Republicans in this list of guests. By the way, the list of guests also includes Paul Pelosi. Uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's husband, who was severely injured. I think he still wears a hat everywhere so that people don't look at where his skull was fractured by the hammer, by the break-in artist who, uh, who, who came into his home because he wanted to break Nancy Pelosi's kneecaps and to interrogate her and who is having his own time in jail. I don't think that President Biden is likely to talk about January 6th. I don't think he's likely to talk about the stop the steal big lie. Uh, and he is almost certainly not, not likely to talk about his son, Hunter, uh, and all of his um, <laughs> dubious achievements, let us say. Uh, but again, the idea, and I think the guest of li the the list of guests makes a very clear indication of where that's going. 
is going to be to say, hey, look around you. You know, a country with some tough problems and some difficulties that we're working to overcome. But there are good things happening in every corner of the country. And there are good people who are working on this. And positive, positive, positive. I think that's where he will go. There is a, a column that is extremely provocative. And it's written by an extreme liberal, uh, Paul Krugman, who's also a Nobel Prize winner. He won a Nobel Prize in economics. He teaches at Princeton. He's a columnist for the New York Times. So he's about as blue chip an establishment as you can get. But he has a question that he asks in a New York Times column, will Americans even notice an improving economy? And it basically goes to the point that, wait a minute, uh, people are convinced that we are in economic misery. But then when people are asked about their own condition, overwhelming majorities of Republicans and Democrats, and when I say overwhelming, it's more than two-thirds of each, say their personal economic circumstances are good, that they're doing well. Krugman writes, imagine that your picture of the U.S. economy came entirely from headlines and cable news chirons. Would you know that real gross domestic product has risen 6.7% under President Biden, that America gained 4.5 million jobs in 2022 last year, and that inflation over the past six months, which was indeed very high last winter, was less than 2% at an annualized rate? This isn't a hypothetical question. Most people don't read long-form data-driven uh, essays on the economic outlook. Their sense of the economy is likely to be shaped by snippets they read or hear. And there is a yawning gulf between public perceptions and economic reality. Recent economic data have been positive all around in a, uh, a, a, a all around Yet a plurality of adults believe that we're in a recession. In an AP NORC survey, three-quarters of Americans described the economy as poor, with only 25% saying it was good. Isn't that extraordinary when you actually look at the numbers? You might be tempted to say, never mind the data. People know what's happening to the economy from personal experience, but there's a big disconnect on that front, too. Even with 75% of Americans saying the economy is poor, a majority rate their own financial situation positively. On average, people seem to be saying that they're doing reasonably well, but that very bad things are happening to everybody else. The uh, I'm okay, you aren't syndrome was especially clear in a Federal Reserve survey uh, carried out in late 2021 that we won't have the 2022 results until later this year, but I expect them to look similar. According to the 2021 survey, 78% of households said they were doing at least okay financially, and a record high of only 24% said the national economy was good or excellent. Now, how can the national economy not be good if you have 78% of households saying they're doing well? This was a record low, the 24% who said the national economy was good or excellent. Assessments of local economies for which people have some personal knowledge were in between. Yeah, this is um, a dramatic 
question. So why is it that people think the economy is so terrible when their own economic status is pretty good? Partisanship is clearly part of the story. One striking aspect of the AP Newark survey was that Democrats and Republicans weren't that different in their assessments of their personal financial situation. Majorities of both groups rated their condition as good. But 90% of Republicans see the national economy as poor. So what does the president do about that? On the Michael Medved show, scheduling is not an accident. Uh, tomorrow, the uh, <laughs> that's right, the day after the State of the Union, the uh, House Republicans give their response to President Biden. Uh, he is expected to give a, uh, a hopeful, positive, um, bring us together speech and uh, a rah 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 Biden, rah 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 America. Uh, look at everything we've accomplished, look at the war on cancer, look at uh, the things we're doing for the so-called dreamers. Uh, it, it Again, all kinds of positive, feel-good efforts. Will it work to change his standing with the public? Uh, usually uh, presidents, and this happened with President Trump as well, uh, presidents do get a small bump from an effective State of the Union. Uh, the uh, uh, the idea that the president is sending a different kind of message. When when Bill Clinton gave his State of the Union speech right after the Republican huge victory, the contract with America victory in 1994, his State of the Union in 1995, he basically signaled that he heard the people. Remember that's when he said the era of big government is over? which got warm applause from Republicans and Democrats and Americans. Well, it it wasn't over, but uh, that was very well received. And what can Biden do tonight that would be like that? He's not going to say the era of big government is over. He can't with the all the additional spending that he has put forward. Uh, so what era can be over tonight? I don't know, or what new era is going to be dawning, uh, because this is one of those real problems, is that if Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democrats, and it seems more and more likely that he will run and that he does not have significant opposition within the Democratic Party, uh, what does he say if people are very dissatisfied with the way the country is going during his first four years? What's going to be different? And uh, that's a very big challenge for the president. So what are the Republicans answering? They, they're answering be with all kinds of excitement and positivity and a visionary view of uh, the future. Remember George W. H. W. Bush, the first President Bush, he was criticized because he didn't have the vision thing, uh, as he referred to it. So does Biden going to have the vision thing? How about the Republicans? They have the vision thing. USA is reporting the curtain goes up tomorrow on House Republican investigations into President Joe Biden and his family with a hearing Wednesday, it's tomorrow, about how Twitter blocked messages about Hunter Biden's laptop. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee 
hearing is going to open the panel's door on investigations into Hunter Biden. Oh, thrilling. And potential attempts to influence his father's politics through business deals in Ukraine or China or through the high-priced sales of his own paintings. Okay, yes, I do think it's a matter of national interest if there were attempts by foreign powers like Ukraine, which is a friendly foreign power, or China, which is not, uh, if there were attempts by those countries to influence the Biden family by special sweethearts deals with Hunter, okay. But the the idea of Hunter selling his paintings, if people are stupid enough to pay a half a million dollars for an original Hunter Biden, and I've seen some of the art, it, and again, it's it's... It's basically amateurish. You can understand why someone would say, yeah, you're pretty good, you know, for a guy who's a lawyer and, and a retrobate and a recovering drug addict and all those things. It's pretty good. But the, the idea that uh, people who are buying the paintings are actually getting access to President Biden, there's been no indication of that yet. And I think that might be a tough case for... Uh, the, the committee and Jim Jordan to make. Uh, to, to just get back to a moment to this idea about the huge gap between people estimating their own economic status and then estimating the status of the country at large. Um, Paul Krugman writes, what about media coverage? Some of my colleagues get upset about any suggestion that economic reporting held a negative bias that affects public perceptions. Yet there's actually hard evidence to that effect. There's a survey in Michigan that asked respondents about what news they've heard about the business conditions. All through 2022, as the economy added 4.5 million new jobs, more people reported hearing negative than positive news about employment all of which raises an obviously important political question. Will Americans even notice an improving economy? And the problem here is a problem with news media that goes beyond liberal bias, because obviously if, if this was just a question of liberal bias, they'd be trying to cover up some of the economic disappointments and the negativity. Why do they emphasize it then? Even very liberal news networks, MSNBC, CNN. Okay, because it's a bad news business. It's uh, not a good news business or even a news business. Right now, there are a great uh, deal of coverage concerning the terrible earthquake in uh, Turkey and uh, in Syria and uh, the 20,000 people, I think they've estimated so far, who have been killed, and the final total is going to be much more. It's terrible. But that gets attention. Uh, the the uh, Chinese balloon got all kinds of attention when people were worried about it. What are they going to be doing? What are they going to be dropping over here? What are they going to be snooping on, taking away? Now that the bubble has burst, you'll pardon the expression, and uh, they've, they've shown some pictures of them picking up some of the rubble, the leftovers from the balloon as it came down. Uh, that gets no attention. So think about it. Whenever you hear an economic story, 
you you very rarely hear an economic story that says, wow, look at that. Look at all these new jobs. We actually have the lowest unemployment rate since 1969. And people say, well, that's with fewer people working. That's not true. There are far more people. Women have come into the workforce by the tens of millions since 1969. And the idea that we have a 3.4% unemployment rate, that would usually have been considered cause for celebration. Uh, and certainly President Trump was right when he was campaigning for president and for his reelection. He went back and talked about the positive economic figures, but there were many people who didn't believe it for, positive, uh, for uh, partisan reasons, but also because people like to hear and believe good news about themselves but about the country at large, there's a sense that, um, well, there's nothing to celebrate. Uh, Krugman uh, concludes his column by saying, reports say that Biden's political team plans to lean into the economy for the 2024 election. Indeed, while nothing is certain in economics or in life, Biden will most likely be able to run on a record of solid growth in uh, incomes and jobs, with the inflation surge of 21-22 receding uh, in the rearview mirror. But we can safely predict that many people, not all of them Republican partisans, will insist no matter what that his term, uh, that his record was a disaster. And I at least have no idea what voters will end up believing. But that is a uh, tremendous issue. Uh, will the issue of police reform come up? Well, of course, because they're also having as guests the uh, mother and stepfather of uh, the late uh, Tyree Nichols. And uh, the, uh, it will also come up because they are uh, dealing with uh, other celebrities who will be there. I mentioned Paul Pelosi who will be there. And uh, they're having... Amanda and Josh Zurowski of Austin, Texas, who found doctors unable to intervene after her water prematurely broke at 18 weeks pregnant due to the Texas abortion ban. Uh, really? Coming up uh, on the MedVed Show, we get to speak to the author of an extraordinary book about a real-life conspiracy, one that almost destroyed the world. It was an assassination conspiracy that came incredibly close. It's called The uh, Nazi Conspiracy. It's a new book. We'll be speaking with Brad Meltzer in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth. 